The information and opinions expressed on this podcast are intended to address specific questions asked, situations described in the program or on the website, and topics of expressed interest. The information and or opinions are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical and or mental health diagnosis or treatment. You should not act or rely upon any information contained in these broadcasts or on the website without seeking the advice of a mental health and or medical professional who has conducted a formal assessment or evaluation on you and has the requisite information needed to provide a more well-informed opinion. This includes, but is not limited to, licensed mental health professionals, psychiatrists, and medical physicians and doctors. If you have any questions about the information or opinions expressed on the website or during this broadcast, please contact your licensed mental health and or medical professional. Welcome to the Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell. The Wellness Enclave will explore emotional health and its impact on everyday life. In the Enclave, we will address emotional health and how it is connected to other parts of your life, such as physical health, relationships, spirituality, and even decision-making. The goal is to help you become a healthier and happier you through motivation, education, and innovation. And now, The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wellness Enclave, where emotional health and wellness is our top priority. Today, our topic is the parent-teacher-student relationship, and we have a very special in-studio guest, Mr. Brian Williams, to talk to us about that. We will be right back after this break. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome back to the Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell. Today, as I mentioned earlier, we will be talking about the parent-teacher-student relationship. 
We have a very special in-studio guest, Mr. Brian Williams, who will be able to talk to us firsthand about that. He's been a teacher for several years. How are you doing this morning, Mr. Williams? I'm feeling good. Thank you for the invitation today. No, no problem. None at all. And and you know what? I know Mr. Uh, Williams from the barbershop, even though I'm a female, you know, we, you know, still, I, I appreciate the barbershop culture sometimes. You meet a lot of interesting uh, gentlemen and, and young ladies in there as well. So... Thank you for joining us, and, and as usual, since we have such a short period of time, I kind of just want to jump right in it. So, um, as a teacher, how do you, how do you, Mr. Williams, define your role as a teacher? I'm not saying for all teachers, how do you define your role? Uh, first, I'm an educator. Okay. I'm responsible for the curriculum. I also see myself as a mentor. I see myself as a, a role model okay. for the students. Okay. And so... One of the things I wanted to ask you, because before we get into the, the parent-teacher-student relationship, all that good stuff, I want to talk about some of the challenges um, that, that you may see, whether they're challenges for you or whether they're challenges for students. So I think the first thing I want to ask you about, are, what, what are some of the challenges that you see for students? Because I know sometimes they're a little different from generation to generation. Yeah, for the students, I think uh, we're in a culture that kind of devalues education. Okay. That's challenging for the kids. Poverty mm -hmm. is a challenge for some of them. Mm -hmm. uh, lack of access to technology mm -hmm. is, is a problem. So let, let's talk about this. And we, and we can talk just like we're in a barbershop, so it's, it's all good. We're, we're on a podcast, so, you know. <laughs> we, can talk just like, we can talk just like we're in a barbershop. I, there are two things that, that you mentioned, and, and again, I know you're speaking from Mr. Williams's perspective, so let me make that, that very clear to everyone. You mentioned, and I agree with you, I think we are in a society that devalues education. Can you go a little bit more into that? Yeah, well, you know, kids are, kids are smart. Mm -hmm. and, and so if the culture around them, especially the adults, mm -hmm. are devaluing education, they see adults doing this on TV, they Absolutely. hear it in music, they, see, they can see it in their schools mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then they're going to think, well, you know, why should I value it? Right, right. Do you think a lot of times it's more, um, I, I, I guess it's more attention paid to individuals who are flashy and famous, I guess would be the question I have for you. Especially flashy. They don't even have to be famous, just flashy. And so it's, it's more about how do, how do I look? Not necessarily materialistically, but it's like how does everyone else perceive me? And it's easier to be perceived as a person who has it going on when, when you have some flash than when you're trying to go to school and get an education. Do you that's, see some of that? That's right. Yeah, the, the, the quick, the flash, the quick money. Okay. Uh, when I used to teach middle school, I was doing a lesson, uh, it was a vocab lesson. Mm -hmm. We had the word cul-de-sac. Mm -hmm. And so I was explaining, explaining the word to the kids and say, okay, like the dead end in your mm -hmm. neighborhood, mm -hmm. that's a physical cul-de-sac. But also a cul-de-sac could be like maybe like maybe a dead-end job right. or some sort of situation where, mm -hmm. you know, you can't make any further progress. Mm -hmm. So when I say, like, maybe a dead-end job where there's no opportunity for advancement, mm -hmm. one of the kids whispered, yeah, like a teacher. Wow. Wow. And okay. So, okay. And so that, that, for me, was an example of mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. they view right. education because of the influences around them. Right. And I know prior to the interview, you and, you and I were talking, um, sometimes the kids have better cars than, than the teachers. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. So, yeah. so that, that, that can be problematic. Now, the other thing you said was poverty. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So I, I really want you to talk about that, if you can, for about 
for about two or three minutes. If you can't, then I'll chime in. I'm fine with that. But, but, what, but how, how do you feel like poverty impacts um, uh, the educational system? If you have students in class who don't know if they're gonna have a place to live mm-hmm. when they get home, maybe they're fa- facing the eviction, uh, they won't be focused on, on school. Mm-hmm. If kids are hungry in the classroom, they're not gonna focus on the lesson. They're thinking about how am I going to eat. Right. Uh, at my school, uh, you know, where kids pay tuition, mm-hmm. if the kids are worried about, you know, will my parents be able to make the next tuition payment? Correct. That will interfere mm-hmm. with, with their mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. And so those are those are some of the challenges that that you're seeing. What about motivation? How does that? Mm. How how is that? Because I I know again you're you're teach you're at a school where they pay tuition, but even if it's not a school where a parent pays tuition, a lot of times the parents kind of don't want the kids to supersede them in in, in education sometimes yeah. and so that motivation there they're saying or they they may say okay you need to do k through 12 but then what are you going to do when you get out because what you're learning right here is really not going to benefit you yeah the motivation I, mm-hmm. I think uh kids are used to instant gratification okay Okay. So it happens. Things happen quickly. Mm-hmm. I want this. Get it on Amazon the next day. Right. Or the same right. Day. But education doesn't work like that. You have right. to put in work mm-hmm. over time to get okay. good at mm-hmm. the reading, the writing, or the math. And a lot of times they're not motivated. Okay. To put in that work. Because they don't have that instant gratification. We're looking at delayed. Yeah. And so because we're looking at that over time. Yeah. So so those can be difficult things. Um. When you have a child that's 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 uh, maybe lacking motivation, sometimes what is does self esteem ever play a part in that? Have you ever seen that? Yes, mm-hmm. I, I see it when uh, I ask for essay. I sign an essay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a lot of kids are really self conscious about their writing. Okay, and because of that, sometimes they just won't turn in the essay. Okay. And I have to pull it out of them. Mm-hmm. They don't want to share it. Okay. Sometimes I like to have my kids do peer editing. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. kids are very self-conscious about letting another child see their writing. Okay. You know, so it's that self-esteem comes in. At least mm-hmm. in my class, in English class, kids are afraid to read out loud because their reading skills right. might not be up to par. Right. So. Right. So when we start looking at those challenges then... Mm-hmm. I think, and I, I could be incorrect because, you know, I told you I tried teaching. I wasn't. That's not my forte. <laughs> and that was at a college. <laughs> that, that wasn't my forte. So, so I think a lot of times when you're looking at, because you teach high school, so yes. let me make that clear. You teach high school. And the thing that's very unique about Mr. Williams is he has, a ninth, he has ninth grade classes and 12th grade classes. So he sees them from the beginning, and then he sees them at the mm-hmm. end. Um I think a lot of times parents could help with that or the yes. guardians could help with some of these challenges that you're talking about. Now, poverty, I, I get that. Sometimes parents are doing the best they can or the guardian is doing the best they can. It's just very difficult for them. So I understand that. But when we start looking at things like self-esteem, motivation, 
um, understanding that sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do yes. so that you can so that you can do things that you want to do later on in life yes. meaning you have to look at delayed gratification instead of instant gratification yes. I think a lot of times the parents can help with that so mm -hmm. one of the questions that I want to ask you and this is what I really want to dig into mm -hmm. is how can a parent prepare a child for high school. I'm going to ask a lot of questions about the parents, but how can the parent, because we talk about preparing them for college and all that mm -hmm. stuff like that. How can you prepare your child for that transition from eighth to ninth grade or for, for high school? Wow. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> from middle school. I, ha I have middle school. I have two middle schools okay. at home. Okay. And what I try to do with my sons is to uh, kind of make them more independent. Mm-hmm. Just with small things, uh, wake yourself up in the morning. Okay. Make sure you have your your stuff ready, laid mm -hmm. out, so mm -hmm. you're ready to go when mm -hmm. it's time to go to school. Uh, I try to get them to, parents should get kids to read outside of the school curriculum. Okay. okay. Don't just rely on the assignments at school for everything. Mm -hmm. um, now, why do you think that's helpful for them to read outside of the curriculum? Mm. Why do you think it's helpful? Don't don't give me an educated answer. Tell me what you think. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you have your kids doing it, so you're doing yeah, it for a reason. So yeah. tell me why. Tell me why. <laughs> because they just get exposed mm -hmm. to more if they're reading outside of the curriculum. And I tell my students and my sons, read whatever you're interested in. Mm -hmm. If you like fashion, if it's sports, if it's movies, if it's music, read about it. Right. And that makes you better. Okay. And okay. so if you're reading outside of the curriculum, you'll be better in the classroom. You'll be better off in mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. Because you'll learn, first of all, you have more knowledge. You're more exposed. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of, your comprehension, get, get, it, get, it gets much better. So you can yeah. switch into things that you read. I can go from literature there mm -hmm. to reading sports over here. Yeah. And, that, and, and that can be great. And so how can parents try to... Um, enforce that because I think another thing that needs to happen and I shared with you prior to this that my mom was a teacher well he, here's the thing my mother after I got about maybe six or seven mm -hmm. and so I would say hey read me a bedtime story she would say I, I need you to read it to me and a lot of people wow. said to me that's 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 cruel and I said no I said she was trying to make sure that I knew not only just how to read, how yeah. to comprehend as well, because she would say, okay, so tell, tell, I'll say, did you like the story? I liked it, so tell me tell me about the story. Tell me what you learned. So I think when, when children are transitioning or young people are transitioning as well mm -hmm. um, in, in, from grade school to high school and, and, and the parents are trying to enforce mm -hmm. some, some type of reading, yeah. um, I think they should sit down and talk to them about like what they're reading, what did they, okay, tell me, Help help me understand what you're, what you're reading. I, I want to be on the, that level with you. Tell me, you know, so they can get an idea. When my wife and I were teaching our sons to read, uh, yeah, my wife came up with the idea of uh, playing the books in the car. So she would get the books on audio because mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time in the car. Okay. And she'd get the books on audio, give mm -hmm. my sons the hard copy. They're mm -hmm. in the car. They can't go anywhere. Right. We're in Atlanta <laughs> traffic. And so she would play the... She would play the book. Mm -hmm. My sons would be following along. Okay. Uh, with the hard copy. Right. And she would pause it, ask them qu comprehension questions, mm -hmm. and 
Mm-hmm. So that's how my sons learn how to read. And it's that's and that's actually and that's actually a, a good idea because mm-hmm. then they they're able to identify that word with with what was stated. That's right. And and mm-hmm. for parents who are always on the go, and when you have kids, especially when you're dealing with people 13, 14, and they're mm-hmm. involved in a lot of extracurricular. You know yeah. that 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 that's a a good idea in that mm-hmm. way too. You can see what your child is interested in as well, because it may be something that you may not <laughs> that they may not need to be interested in yeah. at that age. But you can see what's going on and and see how to work with um and see how to work with your child. Mm-hmm. So here's here's the other thing. How can so we talked about we talked a little bit about preparation and the other thing that you stated that I and I kind of want to bring this out a little bit or flesh it out is that one of the things you said was I'm teaching them how to prepare for the next day for school. That's basically what yes. you're saying. Get yeah. some things in order, whether it's iron your clothes the night before or whether yes. it's what those are. That's a skill set that's really good because, you know what, later in life, you're going to have to have that skill set. Yeah. The reason I, I feel like it's good from from grade school or elementary element, in this case, would be elementary front to high school is because a lot of times the students gets, get older. Sometimes they're on their own to get ready to go that's right. to, to school. Like mm-hmm. if they're like once they get like 15, 16 years old, or sometimes if you're fortunate enough to get a car, mm-hmm. your parents are, sometimes your parents are like, I have to go to work. Or your guardian or whomever is like, listen, I'm out to work. So they're relying on you to get to school on time. I see that every day uh, this year. This year I have first period seniors. Okay. And I know when I have first period seniors, kids are going to be late. Okay. Because <laughs> first period seniors, they, they drive themselves to school. Right, right, right. And right. some of those parents are gone before mm-hmm. those kids wake up. Absolutely. Because those kids have cars and get themselves up mm-hmm. and drive. And every week somebody's coming in. I teach a 40-minute class. Somebody's coming in 20 minutes late. Oh, wow. 30 minutes late wow. with a late slip. Mr. Smith is shaking his head. He's younger than both yeah. of us. So he's sitting like, I can identify. Like, yeah. yeah because it was left up to that student to wake himself or herself right, up. Right, right, right. And he slept through the, or she slept through the alarm. Right. Right, and I t- tell those kids, I said, when you go to college, nobody's going to be there to wait. It's on right. you, right. self-discipline. Absolutely. So, Mr. Smith, I'm having a good time talking to Mr. Williams. So, but we're going to have to go to a, a quick break. You've been listening to Mr. Williams in the Enclave. We're talking about the parent-teacher-student relationship, and we're going to get more in depth with how the parent and the teacher can work together to enhance the uh, basically to you know to enhance the experience of the student. And we'll be right back after this break.
right, welcome back to The Enclave, where we're talking about the parent-teacher-student relationship with Mr. Williams. We have a lot of information to cover, as always, but as always, we're not going to get to it. So we're <laughs> going to take care of at least um, three of the three of the questions that I really wanted to discuss. But before that, thank you, Mr. Smith, for playing my Donny Hathaway. Oh, yeah. I went I back you. in time. <laughs> 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 so how important is the, the parent-teacher relationship? It's important. Uh, parents and teachers should be on the same team. Okay. And we win the game when we get kids graduated mm-hmm. and we get them off into college mm-hmm. or the career of their choice. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with that. So one of the things that I want to, well, let me ask you this. I know there there's some opportunity for involvement to find out, you know, um, we were talking about on break different committees and things like that. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that occurs in all um, schools, if I'm not mistaken, is the parent-teacher conference or like a, a PTO meeting or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. I'm, I'm old school, so I don't know what they're calling <laughs> it. So the, the parent-teacher conference, um, how important is that and what type of information do you cover? Why is it important for a parent to sign up for that? The parent-teacher conference is important. Uh, first of all, if the parent has any questions about what's happening with that child in, in my class, that's the parent's time to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the parent has a request, like, mm-hmm. hey, Mr. Williams, I'd like to see more of this in your class, that's, that's the time the, the parent can, can say that to me face-to-face. Mm-hmm. It's also a time for me okay. to ask the parent questions or to tell the uh, at, uh, you know, kind of a request of the parent, mm-hmm. will you do this for me at home? Okay. Okay. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's like, it, like I said, we're on the same team, and that parent-teacher conference is like the huddle. Mm-hmm. You know, so if if you do see something, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, if you do see something prior to the parent-teacher conference, like mm-hmm. you may like say, we'll just call a student John Smith. Mm-hmm. So so Mr. Smith is doing well in, in in the class the first part. Let's say the first two, three, four weeks, and you and you've had him in another class, so you know what his potential is. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, you see the grades or the motivation or something of that nature. You see those things kind of decreasing. So in essence, in my field, what they call it is decompensating. But you you see mm-hmm. it kind of him kind of regressing, mm-hmm. and it's not time for the parent teacher conference. Yeah. Then then how how is that handled? What what happens with that? How do you reach out yeah. to the parent? Phone call, mm-hmm. email, or both. Okay. Yeah. So the conference is, should should not be the only time. That there's communication between parents and teachers. The uh, the communication mm-hmm. should be throughout the year. And so if I see a problem, email or a phone okay. call. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how important is it for the parent to get back to that teacher when 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 it's a concern or an issue? Well, it's crucial. Okay. It's, uh, because the information that the parent gives me that might help Absolutely. help me in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, help the child. Uh, and parents hate it when they get surprised by grades. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, everything's online now, so right. you know parents can look at what the child's grade is at any point. Mm-hmm. I, I get alerts on my phone right. when my son's teachers put in grades. Okay, uh, but sometimes you know parents are busy mm-hmm. and they might they might not look. They might not look. Yeah. So if a child is not performing mm-hmm. and the grades going down, an email from the teacher phone call from the teacher mm-hmm. uh, you know, and one important. of the things that I would like to 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 stress with that for parents um, because the teacher is reaching out to you or the educator is reaching out to you saying hey 
Is it something that we can do to work on it? it basically, because they're reaching out to you, it does not mean that they're saying you're not doing your job or that you're failing mm -hmm. as a parent. Because a lot of times, I think, other than parents being busy, I think a lot of times that's why they don't reach back out or they come back in. I come out of a family full of teachers. Mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're retired, but, but a family. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what, what happens is the parents come in on defense. Mm -hmm. Where they're calling on on defense, and and it's 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 not like that. A lot of times, a lot of times, the educators are actually trying to work with you to see how they can better, um, like I said, enhance that 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 student's experience or just kind of work with them. Mm -hmm. The other thing is for, and I'm saying this as Donna, Mr. Smith knows how I vacillate between mm -hmm. Dr. Sewell and Donna sometimes. Mm -hmm. So this is Donna. I'm saying this for for my my parents of of color, uh -huh. for my parents of color. Just because an educator or counselor calls you, it does not mean they're trying to get defects involved, people. Please. It is not the government that's always trying to be involved because we have that, with, particularly in certain schools mm -hmm. and, and with certain types of kids. The parents are like, no, they're just trying to get into my business. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, no, I'm not going to call the teacher. They're trying to get, like you're saying, maybe it's something going on at home. So maybe that collateral information mm -hmm. that that parent gives you can say, okay, I see what's going on, so we can attack it from both ends. That's right. Right, so we're not saying, or Mr. Williams is not saying, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that when he says we can find out what's going on at home, we're not telling. We're not saying tell us, tell the teacher your life story, tell the educators <laughs> your life story, and then they can find out everything going on, and then they're either going to gossip about you or report you to defects. That's not. That's not what is going mm -hmm. on. Is tell them the basics. You know, hey, me and my husband are having some some issues right now. Hey, me and and you know, hey, financially we're not doing the best right now. So maybe some of that has rubbed off on him or her. That's that's all he's saying. So that will give him an idea or the educator an idea of what's going on so let me ask you this when parents have minimal time because they're busy right a lot of times single parents working two or three jobs they're hustling trying to make sure their kids have everything that they need so when that is going on what's the best way and they can't make that parent teacher conference what's the best way for them to continue to communicate with with the school when that's happened in with, with the parents that I deal with they mm -hmm. the, they often call and or they'll email and say hey I know conferences happened last mm -hmm. night, yeah, mm -hmm. yesterday evening. I, I couldn't get there. Uh, can can mm -hmm. we talk over the phone later? Right. Or can I come in after school mm -hmm. at a more convenient time? Okay. And so I, I'm always open to that. I, I let my parents know you can catch me before school. I get there at 6.30 mm -hmm. a.m. if that works for you. Right. Or, you know, you can catch me after school, mm -hmm. you know. So let me mm -hmm. ask you this. And if, if it's a parent that, that's not like, for you, you seem like you have the student's best interest oh, at, at heart. Yes. So there, there, there are educators that do not. Just like in every field, mm -hmm. just like in my field, you have people who need to retire right. <clears throat> um, or get out of the field. With that being stated, what type of advice would you give to a parent who is having difficulty reaching out to a particular or, or communicating or getting correspondence back teacher. from that particular educator? If the parent is having that kind of trouble, if the teacher is not responding, so at, my, at my school we're required to if parent emails or calls mm -hmm. and we're not there for the email or the call, we, you know, we got to respond within 24 hours. Okay. Uh, if a teacher doesn't do that, then I tell that parent, reach out to the department head, whoever the department mm -hmm. head is, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that department head should okay. correct the you know, get that teacher right. to respond. Uh, if it still doesn't happen, mm -hmm. 
go above the right. department head. Okay. You know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's very important. Sometimes I think people will, will ignore emails on, on both ends. Mm-hmm. So so my last question for you is this. I know teaching is a stressful job. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so my question for you, and I know teaching, you don't really get off of work. Like you were talking about, you have to grade papers and all those mm-hmm. things like that. So tell me this. How, how do you recommend teachers take care of themselves or how do you take care of yourself? Uh, I, I read for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, I like playing soccer. I like mm-hmm. running and just spending time with, mm-hmm. my, with my wife and my sons. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, okay. and teaching is stressful, but I just want to say, you know, I love what I do. And so right. when, I, when I wake up at 530 in the morning, I, I'm excited. Right. I'm excited to go right. to work. So, so that's good. Mm-hmm. That, that's good. See, we... We have good educators. We have we have good teachers. Everybody, because I think teachers a lot of times get a get a bad rap. So, mm-hmm. so I'm glad you're on here. So today, you guys have been listening to Mr. Brian Williams in the Wellness Enclave. He has been talking about the parent-teacher relationship. Again, I thank you for joining us this morning. I very much appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. No, no problem. No problem at all. So, as always, I hope my listeners have learned something, and I hope you guys have a fantastic day and a happy and healthy week. I hope you listen in next time. This has been the Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell. Join us weekly and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We look forward to growing with you.